Praise be Jesus Christ. Father, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. No one knows me except the Father. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, this is the Sunday of John of the Ladder. He was a monk in Sinai at the great mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments. It's still there, that monastery. It's been threatened many times, but with the grace of God, it's still there. John, during the great season of Lent, during the day, usually at dinner, uh, the, the, the uh, monks read the, the latter. It's a book. And it has 30-some steps to the Taboric light, to mystical transfiguration. And it was written by a monk. I think eventually he became the hergumen of the monastery. It's strange how he got up on the top of the mountain. Not that he went there as a monk, but he was a noisy monk. And so the monk sent him up the mountain to be quiet. And I saw a picture of his cell. It looked like one, hot, one rock on top of another. And I often wondered why an earthquake or something didn't crush him, but nothing's ever crushed him. And uh, the cell's still there. Today is a, a Sunday uh, we emphasize the ascesis of the Byzantine Church. Asceticism. And I'm always giving you little hints about that anyway. And um, our church, the Ruthenian church, is considered a monastic church because of the spirituality of that church and the liturgy of that church. And uh, unfortunately, our people and even our clergy are sometimes sort of worldly. And that's uh, not good. Uh, but we pray for them. Seems like to me in the United States, everybody's trying to uh, escape their vocation, as they say in the West. In the East, we don't talk too much about that because everybody's vocation is to live a life of holiness. Jesus addressed us, he said, to his disciples and the people there, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. We know that God is holy because he's totally other. It said in the gospel today that Jesus knows the Father and the Father knows 
him, Jesus. We try to know Jesus in order to reach the Father. So we must live a holy life. So anyway, um, they say the monks live an angelic life. I'm telling you right now, none of them are angels. Why they say that is they live a life of prayer and praise to the Holy Trinity. Just like the angels do. That's the primary occupation of the angels is to pray to God and to be his messengers and his servants at at the throne in heaven. All those things are imitated very strongly in our liturgy. So we say the Holy Spirit has taught us our liturgy and we try to live by it and in it and around it and our whole life is liturgical. At the adult Christian children's class Saturday I told them they were baptized, chrismated, Receive the body and blood in a holy meal, and that is a heavenly meal. That's participation in heaven, because the body and blood and soul of Jesus Christ is in the Eucharist, and also present there are the Father and the Holy Spirit. And when the priest prays at the holy table, he calls upon the Holy Spirit to come down. And he says, God-giving powers, you might say, that flow from the Father and the Son and imparted by the Holy Spirit to make the sacrament perfect, perfected, to be bodily, body, soul, divinity, Christ. And if one person in the presence of Trinity is there, so are the other two. So we call it, if you look at your prayer books, it's hard to get prayer books these days, you see in it that this is called, at the beginning, the priest raises the gospel book. He blesses the four corners of the earth with the gospel book and says, blessed is the kingdom of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So at the Eucharist, we are giving thanks. Eucharistia means to give thanks. With the prayer called the anaphora, which means the offering, And that prayer we offer back to God, his son. And then in order to gain our life of participation in the life-giving trinity, receive the body and the blood. I don't really think anybody's worthy to do that. I think it's extremely holy. I think that we tell our people they have to be in a state of grace to receive the Holy Eucharist. I think that's like a minimalism. I think they have to be prayerful. And their lives should reflect the Christians of the early church. And that their home is like a little church, the Ecclesiola. Now, in John's book, 
It's all about asceticism. It's obvious that he was talking to monks because he was a monk and he came down the mountain with his book. He's talking to all of us because as you read through that book, you see all different kinds of people mentioned in there. Uh, I don't want to mention them all. So, so pretty bad, some of them, living bad lives. Liars, thieves, oversexed people, murderers. And in the canon, at this the fifth Thursday of Great Lent, we pray for all different kinds of people. And in the canon, at St. Andrew the Great, we mention examples of people on earth who became holy people who are in heaven with the Lord Jesus. When I pray for my relatives, I say to God that I pray for this or that one because I believe their desire was always to do your will. It should always be our desire to do the will of God. I heard a little conversation this evening, this morning, excuse me, in the sacristy when I was getting vested between the monk and one of the servers. The bishop, uh, auxiliary bishop of An- An- Angel- uh, Los Angeles, bound or something like that, he said that liturgy must be straightened out. And people have the opinion that rule and morality came before liturgy. It's just example, just the opposite. We learned to pray before we were baptized and chrismated. Prayer brings morality. Without prayer, there is no morality. I think uh, Catholics in particular have become minimalist. They want to do the minimal thing for God. I remember they said, we'll say the morning offering, we'll say our night prayers, and that, that takes care of everything. That's not true. You must live a devout life, and you must teach your children to do the same. How do we live a devout life? Jesus Christ gave us the example. St. John the Baptist was a radical example of goodness. He was a strange man who uh, wore wore strange food, ate strange food, and wore strange garments. And he went into the towns and told the people to prepare the way of the Lord. His words are very much needed today. We read our scripture and see them. Because there's a place in our inmost being, the noose, where God will come and live in his spirit. But not without a lot of effort. Not without an elimination of all sin from your life. Not without leading an exemplary moral life. My dear brothers and sisters, You're called to greatness. You're called to heaven. But heaven starts here. 
heaven starts on the earth. Heaven's in your heart. Heaven is in this cathedral. This is just a little bit of heaven. As the mystics attempt to reproduce the throne room of God. And into this throne room comes the Holy Trinity. Some of you are very casual. Even the monks sometimes get a little too casual around the holy things. Always ask God not to let me become casual, but let me become respectful and loving of the beauty of the church, of the beauty of the people, and have patience with them. At the, there's these steps of John's book developed. <clears throat> he says to us, the first step on the ladder is repentance to remove all sin from our lives. So I used to think, and I'm, I won't even go on to second all the way up to third, so we don't have that time here. I think to myself, Maybe the problem is we get up to the first step, but we think falling off. Maybe we have passions that are out of control. Our passions were not a gift to us the way they are. They developed from the fall. But there are good passions and bad passions. The passion for God to drive you, to be the driver, the thing which you want for all your life. If you get that way and you spend time with God, you may even see tears in your heart to purify you. I said to the children yesterday, we have to give to God quality time every day. And it's hard for them. They're little. They don't understand. But as they grow and mature, they have to remember that. You're always telling God what you want. Tell him you want him. Tell him you want his love in your heart. And realize no matter how you strive to love God, you'll never love him enough. He loves you, though, and he wants for you perfection. I can't tell you exactly how each one of you will be perfected. I sort of know that uh, in reading the mystical theology, that if you go through all the steps, you don't have to go through all of them, but they're all there. I don't think we go through it methodically. But what we do is we gradually make more room for God. Like John said, he must increase and I must decrease. That means in your heart, in your noose, where grace dwells, which has been consecrated by chrismation, it's already consecrated heart, this presence of God will grow and your prayer will grow, and you'll become gradually 
absorbed into the life-giving trinity. And I told the children the mystical body is those people who are absorbed through the life-giving energies of God and the mystical energies of God, who he gives them into, he's generous with them, he puts them in our heart. But sometimes we just like to forget about things. Well, who are you? You forget about God, he may forget you. I doubt that. Jesus Christ, the Father sent to die on the Holy Cross as a throne, a glorious thing, to replace the tree in the garden. He died on the tree of the cross, and from that cross is life-giving. From that cross, Jesus spread blood and offered his human life to the Father. It's not the divinity of Christ that died on the cross, although it was there. It was his humanness that died on the cross. And he made that death and that glorification on the resurrection day a source of the primal sacrament of the whole church. Jesus Christ is the primal sacrament. In every one of his gestures that he left us, in every one of his words, fulfill us of holiness and love. When I was talking to the priests for Passaic, I wanted to encourage them because it's hard time to be a priest these days in this materialistic society. But I told them to be not afraid and to always take time with their prayers. Take time when they celebrate the divine liturgy not worrying about, well, i got to get them out. Take time when they go to anoint someone. may take half a day, pray with devotion, with tension and love. I taught them that they are the gifted because they are the extension of the sacramental body of Christ. So once they're ordained, when they bless, it's blessed. When they forgive sins, they're forgiven. When they pray, Christ prays. Also, you, when Christ, you pray, you're also part of the body of Christ, and Christ is praying. So your prayer is the prayer of Christ. Now, what do you think about that? You have a great obligation to the rest of us to prayer with attention, devotion, and love so we too might grow in, next to you in the mystical body and be holy. Holy is only God. God alone is holy, it's in the scripture. But God chose you to participate in his holiness. As Christ chose men to be ordained and participate in his priesthood because he is the great high priest. Today, in this homily, I give you the foundation of a spirituality that if you learn it and discipline yourself, will bring you to heaven. 
And when you get into heaven, you'll be beautiful. All the other things you do in life are temporary. But the effort you make to be holy in God's presence is for eternity. And even as you look around this temple and see the beauty of the saints and the icons, you will be totally beautiful. So people ask me sometimes, will I see my mother? Will I see my father in heaven? Will I see? I said, if you want to, you'll probably see them. You may not recognize them. Well, why wouldn't I recognize Because they're holy there and they're beautiful. Not the way you remembered them, but in their deified existence in the heavenly kingdom. James' epistle tells us, I think it's the first chapter, second, second James, I think it's the second or third line, Jesus' words, you will be partakers of the divine nature. That's what the hesychist is. Be quiet. Learn to love God. Feel him in your heart. He will speak words to you as your lover of your soul. He'll make you beautiful, more beautiful than you can imagine, and more joyful and happy than is possible. For he has a happiness prepared for you, tailored for you, just to make your, your soul happy in heaven. When the priest gets dressed like an archpriest like me, I put on the mitre, and the prayer that says from the Psalms that he, God, crowns us with glory and honor and jewels. So that's what this means. I'm an archpriest, and it was a great honor. And when the bishop came to make me an archpriest at St. John's, he laid hands on me. He didn't reordain me. He elevated me in ordination. Think about that. Think about you. Think about every time Jesus puts his hands on you when you receive the sacraments or when you pray. He is elevating you, making you beautiful in his eyes. When the Father looks at you on the last day, he'll see that beauty in you, some of it, maybe a lot of it, that is Christ. And you will be saved to say like St. Paul, I live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.